Welcome to episode 20 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf in downtown Thomasville, Georgia, and today I'm chatting with my friend and co-owner Katie Chastain. We're discussing Gretchen Rubin's new book, Better Than Before, plus our own habits and habit-building tips we learned from Gretchen. Let's get started. Hey, Katie. Hey, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine. <laughs> I'm excited to talk about Better Than Before. Me too. So um, I'm a huge Gretchen Rubin fan. I have loved her. In fact, I have all of her books in hardback, which I think goes uh-huh. to show that I have been a fan of hers from day one. Um, but when I found out this new one was coming out, I was thrilled it was in the store, and I sneaked one off the shelf um, <laughs> before anybody else could take it, and now I've highlighted my copy, so now I have to buy it. <laughs> well, this, this was one of those serendipitous experiences of walking into uh, the bookstore, yeah. and I didn't know she had a new book out, and yeah. so I see it on the front table, and immediately was like, what? Annie didn't tell me. So yeah. it was kind of nice surprise yeah. to see it on the front table, and I immediately grabbed it also. And yeah. um and downed it in a couple days. I was about to say, I finished mine. I mean, I tried to take my time because I thought, I don't know, will this, like, come into me better? Will I absorb it better if I read it more slowly? But she's very readable to me. She is. And extremely relatable, and so I finished it in a weekend. But frequently read bits and pieces out loud to anyone who would listen to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot to take away. So it's a good one to recap with you, because otherwise I'm afraid I wouldn't lock it in my head the way it needs to be. Yeah, I read it. I was actually away with friends for the weekend, and I took my friend through, like, the entire first few chapters. Uh-huh. And, like, then Jordan and I read about it all the way home, like, when we drove back home to Tallahassee. So, anyway, or to Thomasville. So, um, I really enjoyed this book. And I think I learned a lot. And I hope I hope it's as life-changing as I think it could be. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, life-changing is a big uh, tagline yeah. to attach to books. And, you know, I think we've talked about on the podcast the life-changing yeah. art of tidying yes. up. Um, and but I have compared this book to that one really um, because yeah within the first few chapters I wanted to change my life yeah and um, I will say that <laughs> I've already started adopting a couple of the practices yeah so okay. I don't know if you want to talk about yes those habits first I know you had a, a great idea of um, one way to approach this book for the podcast yeah so I think how we'll start is um, Gretchen Rubin talks about the four tendencies which is kind of how she bases the entire book Um, She thinks habit building really has to do with your individual personality or your makeup, your decision making. Um, So I thought we'd talk about those things, kind of the differences between the two of us and how we might make decisions and and hold on to habits. Um, And then maybe we can talk about um, the ways that the book has already started to change our habits. Great. All right. So let's talk about the four tendencies. which if you have been around the podcast or around me for any period of time, the four tendencies to me line up with the four Myers-Briggs categories. (laughs) But nevertheless, I do think it's an interesting approach to habit building. So she talks about the upholder who meets outer and inner expectations, the questioner who meets inner expectations but maybe resists or questions outer expectations, Um, the obliger who meets outer expectations but resists inner expectations so maybe they other people kind of hold them accountable but stuff that they decide to do in their heart of hearts they might not be as willing to do and then a rebel that just resists they just resist everything (laughs) (laughs) so what were you or did this resonate with you at all it did um 
you know, I think like Myers-Briggs is sometimes it's hard to put yourself in one category. And, um, that was certainly the case, but I do think I pretty squarely fall into questioner with rebel tendencies. Yeah. Um, which she, I think she even identified as, I don't know, there's like a Venn diagram in the book and she shows where there's some overlap between. Okay, uh-huh. And so, yeah, I think questioner with rebel tendency, she even mentions that as a possibility. I definitely go the other direction. So I find, I definitely am a questioner, but with upholder tendencies. Uh-huh. And I tease that, I don't know if that's because of my eldest child, like my Maybe birth order, so. but like I very much, I don't think I'm entirely an upholder, but I very much want to meet nay excel all expectations <laughs> right so anyway i she gretchen describes herself as an upholder and if you've read her other books so i love her and i love her other books but i have friends like we read the happiness project in book club and there were some people who were like i cannot stand her who oh really yeah who lives with her who would oh. be married to her yeah well, that's interesting because I did feel like the Happiness Project loved it n- yeah. and never would have questioned her personality type. Or, yeah. yeah, I just thought it was a, such a fun read. Yeah, um, this one because it's more. I think was she an upholder? Yeah, um, and maybe that's it. it you can, it can be she can be so rigid. Yes, and and I think she talks about it in yeah. the end, and um, maybe not so agreeable. And so her habits yeah. um, might make her not such a people pleaser. And that's where I also thought sometimes I'm an obliger because I really yeah. like to please people. Yeah, um, and I I do well when I have somebody else holding me accountable. When when I was reading parts of this book aloud to my friend, I was just sure my friend was a rebel. Uh-huh. I was sure she was, and then. <clears throat> When I read the, the rebel description of her, she was like, you know, parts of that sound like me, but not really. And um, then I read The Obliger, and she was like, oh my gosh, that bitch. And she does not, in fact, I don't even think she's taken the Myers-Briggs. She, like, refuses to be put in a box, which I respect. And so she, um, she though, completely, I think she definitely identified with The Obliger, which was funny to me. I wouldn't necessarily have picked that out of her. Uh-huh. Um, but then an obliger makes a great friend and colleague and family member, I think Gretchen says in there, because they're constantly trying to please people and to be the best sister or the best aunt uh-huh. or the best friend that they can possibly be. And that is certainly my friend. And so, anyway, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's always fun to see where you fit in things. Yeah, so she starts off with these four tendencies, and then she moves into some questions of kind of either or, which I love. Like, I remember when Jordan and I were first dating, we would ask each other questions like these. Nerd alert. I know, so nerdy. And, but we had so much fun with it. And when I read it aloud, I mean, Jordan was like, read that aloud to me on the way home. Like, oh, fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is fun. It is fun. So I thought we would work through some of those questions. Um, I will just say again with my friend, when I read them aloud to her, she and I were opposite on every possible thing. Oh, what a good friend was, then. What yes, a fun balance. It was yeah. really fun. And we thought, oh, this is probably why we're friends, because yeah. we're so completely different. So anyway, that'll be fun to figure out what the two of us are. All right. So the first question she asks is, are you a lark or an owl? So are you really a morning person or an evening person? Which are you? Um, so more of an owl. Yeah. But again, I think it's relative because I say that because I do get a lot done at night. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm up at seven o'clock on the weekends. Yeah. So seven 30 at the latest. Um, but in my husband's family, 
that's late. I mean, they're up at 5.30 or 6.30 and have done their devotions or gone running or whatever. So it's depends on your definition. Yeah. I would say, yeah, (laughs) I'm like a little bit of a balance between them, but you know, what about you? Well, so I thought about it because, so when Jordan was in law school, that's when we were very first married was um, his second and third years, years of law school. And so he was a night owl. And of course in premarital counseling, they like told us try to go to bed at the same time. And so I am an early to bed person person but I began staying up late because he stayed up late and so I feel like I stay up late but my brain does not function late okay so when I phrased this question myself I thought well sure I go to bed later then maybe I Mm -hmm. should and that's one of the habits I think I'm going to work on but my brain stops at like nine o'clock I'm done and um I thought, okay, my best always since since elementary school high school my brain has always worked best from like 8.30 until noon and after uh-huh. lunch. Like, and yeah. even at the store, I don't know if it's low blood sugar or what, but like at 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock, I'll be like, nobody asks me anything. Oh, like, yeah. I can't. 3 o'clock is chocolate time. Yeah, like, absolutely. I can't, I can't like, it's finish. not siesta, it's chocolate. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so anyway, I, that's how I kind of phrase the question to myself. I think I'm a morning person, like uh-huh. I'm happier and my brain is functioning better in the morning, but I also tend to stay up later than I should. And I yeah. think that's just left over from from law school. Yeah, and a lot of it I do think has to do with your environment and who you live with because certainly in this stage of life when we have young children that are sometimes up at 5.30, right? you know, you're forced into larkhood. Yeah, um, and I thought it was interesting she said larks do well in the real world because the real world is set up for morning people. Yes. I thought that was interesting. I did too. I always thought, um, and I remember I wrote an article about this in the high school newspaper. Um, I think research shows that Adolescents, their clock doesn't biologically really start till nine or ten. Yeah, and I thought this was a great argument for starting school later. And yeah, I think if I were to create my own school, <laughs> it would have a later start time because yeah, I do give think, kids some time. Yeah, to adjust. Um, the next question was, are you a marathoner, a sprinter, or a procrastinator? <laughs> and so she describes that as like a marathoner kind of reaches deadlines well in advance, kind of slow and steady kind of thing, and then sprinter kind of kind of waits till the last minute, but it's not a procrastination thing. It's they get their best work done um, closer to a deadline, I think. Right. Um, and then procrastinator, I think we all know what a procrastinator <laughs> looks like. So which one were you? Who wants to be in the latter category? I, I know. <laughs> um, I am definitely a sprinter. Yeah. Love the intensity of projects that you can just do quickly yeah. and um, and get it all done and yeah. uh, do really well. That's Jordan, right I, which I thought was interesting, but Jordan said at work, he is definitely a sprinter. Huh. And I am definitely a marathoner. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that, when I read that, I thought, oh, I have a name. Like, And I think also <laughs> marathoners might do better in the real world because you space it out and you're probably yeah. good at time management. Yeah. And I think a lot of times the way schooling set up or things do better on a schedule like that. You yeah. And in fact, so I took a few online classes in high school <clears> through, <throat> um, Florida Virtual School, and I loved those because, so all the modules or chapters are all set for you, and you could work at your own pace. Well, I finished, like, you know, months in advance, like, oh, I'm uh-huh. done, like, <laughs> so, and that, she mentions herself as a marathoner, and so there are some ways she reminds me a lot of myself, in some ways that's good, in some ways that's bad, like, yeah. I would read and be like, ooh, Gretchen, I feel so, very similar. it's interesting, the marathon sprinter thing just kind of bit me in the butt, I'm taking a, I need to get a gifted certification right now, and so we have this big unit portfolio due 
couple weeks ago. Well, I did almost all of it ahead of time, which is unusual for me. Usually, right. you know, I do it the last minute and do it really well. Well, I finished it all, so I thought, or most of it. I had a couple more things to add. And then I show up to class and realize... It was due. Like I, I was so used to it being, you know, doing it the night before right. and finishing it the night before that when I did most of it, you forgot. Yeah, it just didn't register in my brain that uh, it's going to be due. Yeah, like that's not so, how your brain works, right? Isn't so, that interesting? So maybe we should listen to our our tendencies. Our tendencies. <laughs> yeah. Um, are you an underbuyer or an overbuyer? Probably an underbuyer. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I. I am an underbuyer as well. I frequently talk myself out of purchases. Though I did, there are times when I think to myself, oh, in order to start running or exercising, mm-hmm. surely I need new tennis shoes and new... So that yeah. that kind of sounded familiar, but I think I'm an underbuyer. And again, I didn't know if this one was a situational one, because if I was flush with money, maybe I would right. be an overbuyer. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's a different <laughs> question entirely. Right. Although, I, I, you know, I think I'm such a realist or a pragmatist that if I don't need it, I don't want it. Well, but. and you just got finished reading that other life-changing book. Yeah. Surely there's no more clutter in your home. Like, Absolutely not. <laughs> And don't want to bring it in. That's right. Are you a simplicity lover or an abundance lover? Simplicity. Yeah, for sure. Me too. Yeah. Um, what about... Oh, I thought this was one was interesting. Are you a finisher or an opener? Um, finisher. Uh, I don't know. Are what you? are you? I am a finisher. Uh-huh. Um, and, but I read this and I, I had to read it out loud to Jordan. I was like, what do you think I am? Because Wait, did I just say that I'm a finisher or an opener? Yeah, you said you're a finisher. Oh, I'm an opener. Yes, you're an opener. I was <laughs> that say. was switched around because I thought opener should be first. Yes. Okay. I'm the first choice. Yes. Opener should come first. Yes, you are. An, I think you're an opener. Because yeah. when I read it aloud to Jordan, I didn't really think I knew what I was. And Jordan rolled his eyes at me, which he rarely does. And he was like, Annie you are a finisher and he was like Katie is an opener like think about her entrepreneurial tendencies and I was like oh right like, yeah I start things with a lot of people finish them yes but that's a thing like that helps people like me don't uh-huh. want to open things you know I don't want to start something new but can I finish it you yeah. bet I can like well I think that's correlated to being a sprinter because I love the rush of it yes. you know it's all about the getting a lot done in a short period of time but yeah. then tying it all up is Yes. Yeah. I love completing things. And I think, so as she relates this to habits, she said they can be overly, finishers can be overly cautious about trying to form new habits. Openers may be overly optimistic about their ability to take on additional habits. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) But I thought that was probably something to watch out for. Like, Uh and, and so she mentions, I'm going to skip ahead to another part of the book that I found. I mean, like I said, potentially life-changing. So I have always been a goal setter. Right. And then I realized, so in this book, she talks about people who run a marathon Mm -hmm. or, I don't know, they do something and they have all this habit leading up to this goal. And then once the goal is complete, the habit dies off. Right. And that happens to me frequently um, Mm -hmm. because I am a goal setter. And to me, that relates to finishing. Like, Mm -hmm. I think, oh, I can check that off my list. Yeah. And a habit... Is something you never finish, uh-huh. and that's kind of hard for me. Well, I maybe think. I have a lot of habits. I have a lot of unfinished. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe you're going to be great at this. Mm. Um, but I did, you know, like I said, I've already started several yes. things. So yeah, I yeah. do jump on board. Yeah, certainly. Um, are you a familiarity lover or a novelty lover? Novelty, and I'm familiarity for sure. 
when she talked about she felt intimidated at the law library, so she just went there every day to familiarize herself. I was uh-huh. like, oh, yes, that's yeah, me. You would do that. <laughs> I could see that. <laughs> that's definitely me. Um, this was another one that sparked some discussion among our friends. Are you promotion-focused or prevention-focused? Okay, we explained this one a little bit more. Yeah, so promotion-focused people concentrate, she says, on achievement and advancement, meaning when they make decisions, they look at... Um, you know, am I going to meet this goal or am I going to achieve something? Mm-hmm. And then preventioners do things um, almost, I'm not going to, okay, I feel like I'm going to be negative about it, but they do it out of caution. Okay. And so, for example, when we were with our friends this a couple weekends ago and I was reading this book out loud, the, um, our, my friend's husband is a prevention. Yeah. Oh, he's prevention <clears throat> focused by far. Like every decision he makes is going to be is this for the good of my family? Like, is this to, I think she uses the great example of recycling. So Mm -hmm. a promotion focused person is going to recycle because it's for the good of the world. Mm -hmm. And then a prevention focused person is going to recycle because there might be a fine. (laughs) And I thought, Oh, that makes total sense to me. I am promotion focused Uh for sure. Um, interestingly, one of my friends didn't want to identify as promotion focused because she felt that sounded like overachievement Uh, and I don't mind that at all. (laughs) (laughs) I'm happy to admit. Well, it almost sounds like an optimist or a pessimist. I'm definitely promotion focused and yes, very critical of prevention focused people because I feel like they don't live enough. Yes. (laughs) Like our, uh, but yet the world has to exist with them like the world wouldn't exist they keep us safe. Yes, absolutely. I think that's true. Boring. It might be boring to you or me but like I think about my friend or my father-in-law is for sure prevention focused. Like uh-huh. when I read this aloud, Jordan was like, Annie, that is my dad. Like he is going to recycle only if there's a fine at stake or like he's a rule follower. Right. And it's not so much for the good of the community. It might be for the good of his family, uh-huh. but it's not, it's, and I hate to say out of fear, but out of caution right. is probably the better word. Yeah. Um, so this is a funny one because um, at church we've been designing a playground oh, for wow. our church, and there's a couple camps. And there's like I love the excitement of building something that will grow imaginations and yeah. challenge the kids physically. Yeah. And then there's the other side, which unfortunately and weirdly includes my husband. I wouldn't have guessed that. Who is totally worried about liability and safety. Really? <laughs> That's so funny. I wouldn't have pictured that of him either. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's just a temporary thing that he's just not really into the project itself. Yeah. Or <laughs> <laughs> but he's a little prevention focused yeah. in this in this case. And maybe it's another case-by-case case basis. Yeah. Thing. I don't know. Um, do you take small steps or big steps? Big. Yeah. Um, I take small. Jordan reminded me, so I did couch to 5k like a couple years uh-huh. ago and he, he is a big step person. And he, he was like, Annie, I thought, I mean, I was proud of you, but I was like, that would not work for me. Like right. walking and then eventually leading up to running. He was like, I just would rather dive in. Yeah. Um, so that was, so he and I are like so that. similar in a lot of ways, uh-huh. but it was fun to read this and realize, Oh, we're different too. Yeah. Um, so those are kind of the basics. She also later talks about abstainer versus moderator, um, which, so they're kind of just what they sound like when you're trying to build a habit. Are you somebody that would rather just give something up completely or would you rather do everything in moderation? Yeah, this was an interesting one to me because, um, I would have said I'm a moderator, Mm -hmm. but I get how being an abstainer makes it easier to stick to a habit. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, for instance, um, with Lent, whenever, you know, if you give up chocolate or something, 
and they say Sundays, you're allowed yes. that. Yeah. Um, and then I, you find yourself just looking forward to Sunday mm-hmm. so you can cheat. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of makes you want it more and you think about it more. Whereas if you know that you are never going to eat chocolate, right. you automatically say, nah, you know, you, right. it, the thought is killed. Yeah. You don't have to make a decision. You don't have to think about it. Yeah. Our friend, again, our friends, are, um, they do Lent as well. And they um, they do not observe feast days because okay. he, he, my prevention focus friend, like he <laughs> cannot. He was like, yeah. if I do that, I will not be able to get back on the wagon. Give a little, take a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But Jordan is very much a moderator like he wants to take in the Linton example he wants to take feast days but just in general he mm-hmm. is very much a moderation person which is funny if you know him that might he might you might think he was an abstainer but he is for sure a moderator I think I change depending on the situation but like I was thinking about food for example like if it's on my plate I will probably eat it yeah or mm-hmm. I think about when I snack if like I snack from a box of something I literally have to tell Jordan take this box away from right. me like yeah. I would just rather it not even be in the house mm-hmm. um, and, and I think that's something people to say don't even let unhealthy food in your home and then you mm-hmm. won't it won't be a temptation for you and so her Gretchen Rubin's whole premise seems to be habits should you shouldn't even have to think about them it should eliminate decision making right because um, nobody think I nobody thinks about brushing their teeth mm-hmm. um and so I thought oh then abstaining to me would be the easier choice I would think yeah at least in certain situations um so I think I I waver back and forth but I think for the most part I'm probably an abstainer huh um but Jordan is very much a moderator. Yeah, and I guess I like the philosophy of everything in moderation. Yes, but that's what Jordan says. For yeah. practical purposes. Yeah. Yeah, if I really want to stick to something, I would say I need to abstain. Yeah, it'll be interesting. So reading this book made me think about our eating habits. Uh-huh. Um, and I think one way he and I might be able to reach a um, you know, common ground is maybe to eat really well or eat at home like Monday through Friday, but then right. Saturday and Sunday... Yeah, have those cheat days and not go overboard, which I don't think he and I do all the time anyway. But maybe that would fulfill my abstainer tendencies and his moderator tendencies. Yeah, I think that's a good kind of scenario to set. And one of the things, Gretchen, that made her sound so rigid is she's on this low-carb diet. Oh, my gosh. And so she doesn't eat, like, cereals and pastas. and um, The pasta thing killed me. Yeah, it would be hard. That would be hard. But I will say, so she references the book that she read, Why We Are Fat, I Uh think. And we had one at the bookshelf, and I put it on for myself. Yeah, I immediately was like, I want to read this. This sounds interesting. Yeah, and she talks, she ties it back to our body's insulin mm-hmm. um, production. And um, yeah, I thought that was, I also made a note to go back and read that. Yeah. Um, oh, what was I going to say about that though? Um, oh, but she says it, it makes her, um, she didn't say whiner. Fussy. Yes, she, um, and she said you have to own. She has to own that she's a fussy person. Yeah, like she because I think there's a part in the book where um, habit building depends too on how you see yourself and your identity. Mm-hmm. And she said other people when I'm out at restaurants or whatever see me as fussy, and I just have to embrace that. Which that would be hard. Yeah. I'm not a people pleaser, but at the same time, I don't want to go to somebody's house and be that person who's like, oh, I can't eat your food. Yeah, and that <laughs> that's where I felt like maybe I am more of an obliger because I thought that was so rude yeah. and so not fun. Like, yeah. I don't think I would want to be that friend. I mean, I yeah. know I have 
um, a really good friend who, when I bake a meal, she'll like not want the sauce that goes with it. Right. And that's the best part, but the right. sauce is too fattening for it. And it makes me not want to have her over because she can't appreciate that kind of food. Right. Um, See, and I feel like that's not even a blind, an obliger thing. I just think that's a hospitality. That's a rude thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, which is, I don't know if that's a Southern thing, uprising so. in me. Like, uh-huh. just take my food. <laughs> just take my free food that I've cooked you. <laughs> but I just think, oh, just the nice thing to do is accept the food and, or even like, I think at a restaurant, she talks about like, she doesn't even eat birthday cake or whatever. Like, right. I very much, she references her father doing the low carb diet. And he sounds to me like his Plus way like, to me is better. Yeah. yeah. Um, which maybe that speaks to our abstainer moderator tendencies, but like he is on the low carb diet, but if he's, if it's a birthday or if he wants a glass of wine, he's going to do it. And he says this way, I can keep doing this forever. Yeah. If I did it your way, Gretchen, I couldn't do it forever. Yeah. So, yeah. And I guess I thought a lot about this with, with wine because I love to have a good time. And I think mm-hmm. wine is a big part of conversation and fun yeah. with friends. Um, but I know that it's not healthy to have more than a glass a night. And right. I, don't, I don't generally have a glass a night. But I do think if I'm at home and it's just me and Scott, then, yeah, water. And I, she actually talks about making these fun j- drinks uh, at home. Because I think, yes. like, part of the fun is we all make we make our cocktail and yeah. drink it while we cook dinner. Yeah. Um, but she talks about, like, lime and pomegranate water, which, okay, <laughs> that's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, and my kids couldn't partake, and Reese always likes to have a cocktail, too. Yeah, I do. So. Well, yeah, somebody who, I just don't like wine. I have tried I just yeah. don't like it. Um, Jordan likes it, and so he will have a glass of wine, but I liked her establishing this habit, like, in the evenings, or maybe it was her friend who, like, for her had, friend. A, yeah. had a drink every night, and I even though the lime pomegranate water did not particularly sound tasty to me, I was like, oh, it would be fun to have, like, a family, like, sit down on your front porch. Um, I think Jordan and I tried to do that last summer some, um, where we had lemonade on the front porch. And, yeah, so Uh little rituals like that, I think, are fun. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Okay, so what habits did this book inspire you to start? Have you started some already? Yeah, so one of the things she talks about is monitoring and how important monitoring is for building habits. And I thought that was really interesting. So um, I've always liked to walk. I don't, I'm not a good exerciser, but I Mm -hmm. thought, and this is where the question or tendency (laughs) can come in. Like, if I can make exercise part of my normal routine and part of getting from A to B, Mm -hmm. then I can do it. Purposeful. Yeah, it's purposeful exercise. And it's not just to have a better body. That's not really inspiring to me. Right. Um, but walking to work fills so many purposes, but I need to see how many, how, how much I've walked a day. And so, um, I did download the pedometer on my phone. Um, I need to get one of the Fitbits or whatever that. Yeah. She talked about the jawbone and I immediately found one on living social for $50 and I bought it and I've been using it and it just vibrated because I've been sitting still for 20 minutes. Oh, so you need to, to yeah, I have to get up and walk. So anyway, but yes, the monitoring, um, thing really resonated with me enough that I went and bought the thing that she referenced because I was like, oh, that sounds like something I will use. Yeah. Um, 
and and helpful and I the pro- so I love walking to work but my problem is frequently during the day I'm required to run an errand right it's and, hard and that is hard so I don't know do you walk to work and then just walk home for your car well yeah I mean I had that dilemma this morning yeah. I knew I had to go across town to go to the bank today and right so no I had to drive yeah and then so somewhere that walk time is going to have to be put in yeah because I have that 10,000 steps a day yeah <laughs> which how many you texted me the other day how many are you normally walking so without trying to change my routine I right. think it's about 8,000 right now yesterday was the first day so it was a Sunday yesterday mm-hmm. was the first day I had time to actually like add more to that and mm-hmm. so I mowed the lawn mm-hmm. and that got me up to 10,000 yeah um, so yeah I think so on a good day at the bookshelf I'm walking a lot yeah because um, I'm up You're and moving yeah um, but Friday maybe was a little slower so I did like 9,000 steps instead of 10,000. Oh, wow. But like the day before that. Now, is that including walking to work or is that no. just, that's just at work? That's not just at work though. Um, so one of the habits I've started is walking in the morning. Okay. So I do like a 20 to 30 minute walk at seven in the morning. Okay. Um, cause I thought, okay, that's doable. I can do that. Yeah. So that includes that walk. Okay. Um, and Friday we made the choice, like we walked to dinner oh, and fun. walked back uh-huh. and walked to grassroots. And like another thing I've noticed. So yesterday we went to church and it was Palm Sunday, so mm-hmm. it was packed. So we had to park really far away, and I was thrilled because I was like, I get more steps. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I can see myself already, like parking at the farthest parking space. Yes, and that's <laughs> what I told my, my grandma when I was telling her this mo- yeah. yesterday about it. I said it just makes you think twice about yes. where you walk and and how much you want to walk. Yes, and so, so I've true. only done it for five days, and I love starting habits. Yeah, but um, I do love to trek my steps okay so okay so that's one habit you've kind of started what else anything and then eating and I I don't know if this is so much of the book or just um hearing Gretchen talk about her diet Mm -hmm. and um so I have not been eating sweets um and granted this also correlates with the fact that spring break and bathing suit season is coming up and um I went to try on bathing suits the other and it was the other week and it wasn't very pretty so um so there's some other agendas going on there yeah um spring is a great time to read this book though for that very reason Uh because so I feel the same way about food so Jordan and I are both small people so we don't necessarily think oh we need to change the way that we eat Mm -hmm. but we do and so because there's more going on internally right than externally so the good news is spring means your grill and uh-huh. like sp- spring already means healthier eating right. to me just green yes yeah. absolutely salads to me mm-hmm. i don't want to eat a salad in december right because it's cold and i want to eat soup and heavy yeah. soup and so anyway i think spring is a great time to read this book because already there were tendencies in me coming out before i even put pulled this book out yeah. like that made me think oh we need to start eating more grilled foods and yeah and maybe that's it too yeah um so that's something we're doing I, I did want to talk about one other thing not necessarily in the book but along with monitoring um because I'll put a link in the show notes so in addition to the Fitbit jawbone thing which I think personally is going to work for me we'll see um it holds me accountable too it does. because like I plug so I plugged mine into my my phone the other day and I thought I had gotten plenty of sleep, and I had only gotten six and a half hours because huh. I stayed up reading. Uh-huh. And so it showed, like, I didn't sleep for, like, 45 minutes because I was reading instead. And so if that's going to happen, I need to go to bed a little earlier. Uh-huh. 
Um, so anyway, but I wanted to reference, so there's a blogger, Elise Blaha Kripe, that's actually, that's her name, um, but she is a crafting blogger, but she also frequently talks about goals and goal setting, and she has this great, I haven't bought it yet because I'm waiting for the new month, but um, she has this sheet that you can download from her website for like four bucks, and it's called like big things happen one step at a time and it's just 365 circles on a page you could make one but hers is cute um but anyway and you just mark she wanted to eat dinner with her family every night Mm -hmm. and so she's trying to mark on there each night she eats dinner with her family and then she can see where the holes are yeah and she's like it doesn't you know it's date night and that's fine but she wanted to be able to track was this something she was doing consistently yeah and so i think that for me that might be a really great tool um, to, I'm a very visual person yeah. and I want to like I think it'd be fascinating on my fridge to see ooh Jordan and I didn't eat at home or oh I didn't walk this right. day um, so I, anyway I love that and uh, Gretchen talked about somebody in the book and you can probably remember better than me I think it was a celebrity who used X's um, to mark every oh, yeah. day that J- Jerry Seinfeld. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't even remember what he was art- marking. I think he every would, day that he wrote. Yes. Um, and so then you see the chain of X's yes. along the calendar, and it, I thought so too. I thought, wow, that must be such a neat thing to see this chain. Yes. And for me, like I said, I'm a visual person, and I'm very much. I mean, this is sad. I'm not proud of this, but like I'm a gold star person. Like, uh-huh. please tell me I've done a good job, and like, please tell me I have overachieved today. Like, yeah. it's ridiculous. But I thought, oh, how fun! Like a way to keep track and to give myself a star at the end of the day. Or, right. You know, it's like a chore chart for grown-ups. <laughs> and I think about this a lot. Um, I, When Reese was born, I made a commitment to read to her every night. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and this book has made me think about actually, you know, making that a habit that I recognize as a habit. And we, mm-hmm. we do it. It's part of our routine. And I don't know that there are nights. I mean, it's very rarely that we miss it. Mm-hmm. But... Last night, Reese got in trouble, and her dad took away her reading time, and mm-hmm. she was devastated. But mm-hmm. I was also devastated. Right. And it, it was a punishment for you. It was then a conversation. was kind of like, that is holy time. Right. Do not use that and take that away. Yeah. Um, now, we can take away snuggle time, which is following reading time. <laughs> right. But um, See, and that's interesting because she references, too, um, in, in parenting, she talks about don't now I'm wondering if she talks about this in her podcast which I have started or in the book but she talks about um, don't make a don't make TV time a reward for reading. Right. Reading is the reward itself. Right. Um, and I thought, well, uh, you know, of course, I was like, absolutely, that's true. Yeah. And your kids are only going to think that if you think that uh-huh. or if that's the attitude that you present in the home. Yeah. And I don't know if this part of the book stuck out to you. Um, she talks about, I think it, maybe she called it the lightning bolt approach or yes. um, where there are some people that something happens and they can just make a change like that and it's so easy Mm -hmm. and it's overnight and she talked about the stage of life that that often happens as having a child yeah and I could see I mean I think part of my desire to like have a clutter-free cleaner home mm-hmm. is because my home was not like that growing up mm-hmm. and um, so I don't have those those habits weren't ingrained in me mm-hmm. and I feel like I've suffered for it and yeah. I don't want my children to suffer the same right and so it is so much easier 
to use them as a motivator yes. to, to change. Yes, absolutely. And I frequently will tell Jordan, hey, we want to eat healthy right now <laughs> because when children come along, it changes and we want to instill in them better habits than we have. Yeah. And so we don't even have children yet, but we're already but thinking still, about that. Yeah. yeah. Like, you would because you're an overachiever. <laughs> so thoughtful like that. <laughs> yes, very purposeful, um, very planned. Um, this is why sometimes the rigidity of Gretchen sounds a little familiar. <laughs> <laughs> I think, oh, okay. Um, well, anyway, so the book is is Better Than Before by Gretchen Rubin. Clearly, we loved it, enjoyed it. I I think book clubs should read this. I mean, I think everyone... I want to talk about it to everybody I meet. So, um, anyway, we'll put a link to the book in the show notes as well as links to some other maybe habit-building tips and tricks. Um, But thanks, Katie. Thanks. As usual, you can find us online at www.bookshelfthomasville.com or you can respond to us on Twitter Bookshelf Tville and Instagram Bookshelf Tville and Facebook at Bookshelf Thomasville. We look forward to hearing from you. See you next time.